0: Thanks for joining us for this episode of Check Us Out, the Montclair Public Library podcast. I'm Peter Coyle, director of the library, and we're glad you're listening to us today. On today's episode, Molly and Maurice will share with you some fabulous upcoming library events. Kirsten and Ken will share some book recommendations if you're looking for that next thing to read. And our assistant director, Selwa Shami, will interview Marcy Dermanski, a noted author, and her most recent novel is Very Nice. She spoke with Selwa ahead of her appearance at our Open Book Open Mind event here
1: at the library.
2: Hi, this is Molly from the Adult Services Department.
1: Hi, this is Maurice from the Adult School.
2: We're going to tell you about some upcoming programs to look forward to in November, as well as a library resource that you may not be aware of. Um, Maurice, why don't we start by telling our listeners at home about the free events that are going on in November.
1: Sure, and we have a major one coming in November. It will be Plea Bargaining and the Problem of Innocence on Monday, November 4th at 7 p.m. This is the capstone event in the MPL series of activities commemorating the 400 Years of Inequality, a nationwide campaign recognizing the anniversary of the first Africans sold into bondage on American soil at Jamestown in 1619. It will examine efforts to remedy inequalities in the criminal justice system will be presented by Dr. Tariqa Daftari Kapoor, an associate professor of justice studies at Montclair State University.
2: Sounds like a great program. Two days after that, you can look forward to also Dale Berra, son of Yogi Berra, former baseball player and Montclair native, is going to be here to discuss his book, My Dad Yogi, which came out this spring. And he'll also share some memories of growing up in Montclair and his experience in town. It should be a great event, and Watchung Booksellers will be here to sell some of the books. And that's at 7 on November 6th.
1: That should be very exciting, considering the run that the uh, Yankees were on coming down the stretch in the baseball playoffs.
2: I don't follow baseball, but I'm very excited about this event.
1: Mm-hmm. So am I. <laughs> so all the Yankees fans as well. <laughs>
2: A couple weeks after that we have another free event, it's called Behind Beyond the Image with Mosaic Dance Theatre Company. That's on Saturday, November 23rd at 2.30pm. And that's going to be a combination of a lecture and a dance demonstration. It should be really great. Maurice, do you want to tell us more about some of the classes coming up?
1: Sure. For Lovers of Fine Arts, we'll be highlighting the rich legacy of Japanese art in two programs. Hokusai in Japan and the Floating World on Tuesday, November 5th at 7pm and Japanese May The Art of the Floating World Captivates the West on Thursday, November 14th at 7pm. Also, with presidential primary season in full swing, we are putting democracy under the microscope in both War, Democracy and Empire, Ancient Greece and Modern America on Tuesday, November 12th at 7pm and Meet Ben Franklin on Friday, November 22nd at 10.30am. On the other end of the spectrum, Retired history professor Eugene Lieber will chart our nation's journey of faith in the history of religion in America on Wednesday, November 20th at 7 p.m. All these lectures are $20, and they will be held in the NPL Auditorium. More information can be found on adultschool.org. Hope to see you there.
2: So the library recently acquired Foundation Directory Online, formerly known as Foundation Center. This is a database full of useful grants and grant maker information. People who work at nonprofits can use this to find out funding opportunities for the kind of work they're doing. It's a very, very useful database. Just did a whole training on it and it's full of very useful information. And previously, before we acquired it, you'd have to go to New York or Elizabeth or get your own subscription in order to access this. So for people in the Moncler area, now you have it in your own backyard for free. So this is available for in library use only, the main library, you could use it on a personal device or a, a public computer. And come see us on the second floor if you have any questions about using it or about accessing it. I guarantee you, you will find it very helpful.
1: And that's exciting because Montclair and the surrounding region are home to so many wonderful nonprofits.
2: That is very true. <laughs> and we look forward to providing this tool to help them find more opportunities to fund the amazing work that they're doing.
1: Any amazing work that you guys are doing here at the library.
2: Thanks for listening. If you want more information about any of the events that are going on here at the library, you can go to montclairlibrary.org calendar or go to the adult school site, adultschool.org. And if you're curious to learn more about Foundation Directory online, you can open a chat or, or give us a call at the reference desk at 973-744-0500 extension
1: 2235.
3: Hi, this is Ken and today Kirsten and I are here to talk about some new books. I would like to talk about a handful of new recent books that I've read. All but one of these is currently in the library's collection, and the other is on order and should be here soon. First is The Institute, the latest by Stephen King. I come close to qualifying for what King calls his constant reader. I think I've only missed a handful over the years, and I have to say this is his best in a while. As usual, he creates good characters, the main characters, Luke and Tim, are both great heroes, but the best might be the secondary character, Avery, who tugged at my heartstrings more than any other character king of Kings I can think of. The plot involves gifted children being exploited by a multinational organization, and for someone who has often complained about his endings, and I love that that was a running joke in the second It movie, this one worked perfectly. Next is The Liberation of Paris by Jean Edward Smith. This was published over the summer to coincide with the 75th anniversary of the events that it describes. Smith argues that it was the mutual love for Paris among General Eisenhower, General de Gaulle, and the occupying German governor von Schultitz that saved the city of light from destruction when the German forces fled. Sadly, the book was Smith's last. He died five weeks after it was published at age 86. I don't often catch a new literary voice at the beginning of their career, so I was thrilled to discover Mostly Dead Things by Kristen Arnett. I was aware of her because she's a fellow librarian and contributes to the Lit Hub Daily website. Her book was not what I was expecting, though. A sometimes funny, sometimes heartbreaking tale of family, love, and taxidermy told by an engaging, openly gay woman, who is trying to navigate her family's taxidermy business, her grief at the loss of her father, her mother's questionable art career involving the stuffed creatures, and her own love life. It's the best debut novel I've read in a long time. My absolute favorite contemporary author is Kate Atkinson. Like many of her fans, I was beyond happy that her latest book, Big Sky, brings back her detective character, Jackson Brody, for his fifth appearance. I would say adventure, but Brody's detective work doesn't always match that description. In this book, a commonplace look into an unfaithful husband's affairs uncovers something far more sinister. Jackson is helped by police constable Reggie Chase, who as a teenager had rescued Jackson in the earlier novel When Will There Be Good News. Last, I read the play Fleabag by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, the basis of the recent TV series on Amazon. I liked the show very much and was curious to read the play, which came first. The play was enjoyable and covered a lot of the same ground, But since it's only a one-act play, some of the themes that are played out over several episodes of the show are only touched on very briefly here. It's just as funny and emotional as the show, however, and well worth a read. The library has several copies on order, as well as her forthcoming behind-the-scenes book about the show. So you can check it out yourself soon if you're interested. And that's all for this month. I hope you enjoy some of these titles, and now here's Kirsten to talk about some new young adult titles.
4: Thank you, Ken. I'm here today to talk about a few recent and upcoming teen books that I think should be on people's radar. The first one I'd like to mention is Grimoire Noir by Vera Greentee, which I think is such a fun name to say. This graphic novel is set in a town where all girls and women have magical abilities, but follows the beats of a noir detective story after one young girl goes missing and her older brother steps up to find out the truth of what happened. It's sort of like a supernatural true detective for tweens, and it has echoes of historical witch trials and also beautiful illustrations. The second also follows a witchy supernatural theme. I guess I've been on a little bit of a kick lately. It's called The Lost Coast, and it's by Amy Rose Capetta. It picks up as high school student Danny moves to Northern California from Michigan with her mother under mysterious circumstances. Shortly thereafter, she befriends a group of people all with various magical abilities, which she learns she might share. All of the main characters are LGBTQIA identified, and it's sort of like a Gen Z version of the craft. And I really couldn't put it down. I finished it in like two days. I'd also like to mention a couple of upcoming sequels that I think everybody should start thinking about that are coming out very soon. The first is Children of Virtue and Vengeance, which is highly anticipated sequel to Tomi Adeyemi's Children of Blood and Bone. This comes out in December. We're going to be revisiting the land of Orisha as magic returns not only to the Magi, uh, a race of people who have magical abilities and can channel elements, but to nobles of magical ancestry as well. Our main character, Zeli, finds herself forced to try to keep the country together as they're on the brink of civil war. It's sure to be just as interesting and action-packed as the original, and I think everybody should check it out as soon as it comes in. Uh, The other to be coming out soon is Mackenzie Lee's The Gentleman's Guide to Getting Lucky, which will be coming out in late November. This is a follow-up to The Gentleman's Guide to Vice and Virtue, and it picks up after Monty and Percy finish their grand tour gone awry and begin their life as a couple, which may prove even more challenging. This series is fun historical fiction with a heartfelt love story between two young men at its core. Uh, I think that's all from me for this month, but please join us again next time for more recommendations.
5: Hello, this is Selwa Shami, Assistant Director of the Montclair Public Library. I'll be speaking with Marcy Dermanski, the author of the novels Twins and Bad Marie. Her third novel, The Red Car, was a New York Times editor's choice pick and named a Best Book of the Year by BuzzFeed, the San Francisco Chronicle, Flavorwire, Wire, and the Huffington Post. Her latest novel, Very Nice, is what we'll be discussing today. So hi Marcy! Hi Shella. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks for coming into the library today. It's great to be um here. I listened to very nice and I I really enjoyed it. Thank so you. we're gonna ask you a few questions just about, you know, being a Montclair resident okay. before we get into the book. So when and why did you move to Montclair? Sure. I moved here about three years ago, so it hadn't been that long. I was looking for a new place to live. I'm divorced from myself and my daughter, and I actually went to a reading at Watson Booksellers. I knew somebody who was reading that night. And in the audience, there were two other writers. One was an editor of a lit journal, and another was Matthew Thomas, who wrote a great book. And they both said, they were joking. They were like, you should move to Montclair. And I I was really looking for a place to live that was close to my parents and close to the city. And they were really stunned when, in September, I had moved to (laughs) Montclair, and so I actually have an apartment in Watchung Plaza that's not far from the bookstore, and I've met so many other writers since I've lived here, and it's such a liberal and diverse community, and it's just a great place. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so it was a sort of funny way that I did it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. Do you have any favorite places in town? I'm big on going to cafes, and I have Mm -hmm. a lot of favorite ones. I actually went to a new cafe that opened to. It opened on Monday called like Paperless Cafe, and it was adorable. It's off of North Fullerton, and I go to um, Crazy Mocha, and, uh-huh. and I go to the Java Loves. I wrote a lot of Very Nice in the cafes in Montclair, uh-huh. and I go to local, which is across the street from where I live, which is a terrific spot, but not great for writing because there are uh-huh. too many people, which is good. You want lots of people in a local cafe. Yeah, yeah that's really awesome. Yeah. In your opinion, what do you think is the best-kept secret about the Montclair Public Library? The public library. One thing which I only used once is that you can actually take out a museum pass, and you can go and you can go to like the Guggenheim for free, and if you return it in time, and I think that's terrific. I think this isn't cool. Um, I like the Buckles system, which mm-hmm. is too, I'm always requesting books because often I want, I read too many books to buy them all. I love to support writers, but sometimes I just have to take out library books. And if there's like a new novel that I really want to read, I put it on Buckles and then I forget about it. And a week later, I'm like, oh, I can get this new book without without spending $28. Yeah. So for yeah. people that don't know, um, Buckles is the Bergen County um, cooperative of mm-hmm. libraries. Yeah. <clears throat> and I believe there's 76 or 77 libraries. Right. So it's great because you can get... So many things like yeah. in Bergen County Essex County right. yeah and I one more thing is just there's a terrific flower garden that's just around the corner it's, yeah yeah behind the United Way building I forget the official title but it's just gorgeous it is it's really one of the beautiful. prettiest spots in Montclair that people don't seem to know ah about. so that that's a good spot yeah. for people to come to mm-hmm. so what has been your relationship with libraries in your life libraries um I've always gone to them. When I was a teenager, I worked in a library, and I wasn't the best employee because I would just hide in the stacks and read books all the time because it was very boring shelving books all the time, but I did it, and it was back when you used to be able to request libraries, so a magazine, so I'd be in a room, and I was always getting periodicals. And so I've always worked in libraries. I've always – I mean they're just they're just essential I feel like mm-hmm. right and then you're in college and you need to study in the library and they're a great place when as a young mother it was just a place to go and take my kid to the library and there're always events and you you can just walk in and take out a stack of 10 books and return them and it's just fun like it's just yeah. you know, with mothers I think libraries are almost like lifesavers yeah I mean no, I really do I, believe that. I absolutely agree yeah so getting more into books and writing um mm-hmm. has there been a book that has been a really big influence on you as a reader and then as, as a writer I mean there's so many yeah so it's tricky I was thinking about where I studied I went to graduate school at a program that's very different than when I it is now but it's called as a university um the center for writers at the University of Southern Mississippi and I studied with two minimalist writers um, named Rick Bartholomew, Frederick Bartholomew, and Mary Robeson, and they have very unique styles and they're also, my I'm similar, my writing style is similar to them and they're very funny, they're very sharp, they're very dry. They are considered minimalist writers, which um, in my new novel, Very Nice, I sort of make fun of writers who write long sentences, right? <laughs> and I actually, I didn't even make that connection until like today, but oh. I studied in a place where they were considered the top of the, the class of minimalist writers, and so that's that's an interesting thing, so I think that rubbed off on me more than I knew. That is interesting. I, I, I found that very humorous Yeah, <laughs> in the book. Of the writing that you've done, mm-hmm. do you have a favorite of my books? Yeah. That's such a great question. I I feel like I'm obligated to say very nice because it's my new book (laughs) and I love it and I really do and I think it's really special and funny and it's different than my other books in that they're five points of views and I don't normally do that. It's got a really large cast of characters. I'm also really fond of, of... the Red Car, which my, was my previous novel, mm. because it's a little bit more autobiographical, okay. and it started out as a writing exercise, I was kind of trying to copy one of my other favorite writers, who's Haruki Murakami, and so it was just sort of magical how that book came out, it was sort of a magical writing experience, and so I think my most two recent books are my favorites, but okay. then I have I have a whole legion of some people out there who are like, Bad Marie, Bad Marie, so you know, uh, that, that, that's their favorite, okay. I, and I hate to be letting them down. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> So, um, since you brought up very nice, okay. um, so tell us about the book and the characters. Sure. This book started as a short story, very nice about, I, I really tried to, it was a, to write about a student having an affair with a professor, which is just like something that's, that's happened since time began, I think, and, and now, especially now in the Me Too movement, It never was acceptable, but now it's really not (laughs) acceptable. And so I just wanted in. I wrote a short story and I published it in in an online place that was terrific called Lenny Letter that doesn't exist anymore. And when I finished the story, I just loved it. And then I was like, now I'm not writing. And I have a friend who teaches writing and she's like, oh, she treated me like a student. She's like, well, try to write from the next point of view, write of the view from the point of view of the mother. So I was like, okay. And I did it like an assignment. And that was chapter two. And then I finished that. And then I was like, okay, I'll write from the point of view of the professor. And so I wrote that. And then the next point of view is a very strange character, just in that her name is Chloe, and she is the writing professor's subletter. It makes no sense that she's in the book. (laughs) And, And I honestly, like, the thing about writing, which I love, is I have no idea why I was like, oh, I'll write from the subletter. Like, I don't know where she came from. I don't know why I picked her. She really didn't fit into the book. But once I had her in there, I don't like to delete work. I'm really lazy. I had to make her fit, so I made her story, I made her much more than a subletter, I made it that the person she found the apartment from was a writer who was friends with the main character. And then it turns out that she works her, that her boss Is the father of the writing student and the husband of the mother. And so everything gets really tightly woven in. It's funny because a lot of these characters are despicable, but (laughs) I cared for all of them. Like there's a mother who's a little bit ambivalent about her daughter coming home from the summer. And I think people were upset by that. But I think I've, you know, I have my own experience of my mother who sometimes is like, oh, I don't want the grandkids to come home for the weekend, you know, and you're not supposed to admit to that. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things you're not supposed to admit to. And I think in this book, everything is in people's heads and they admit to all of their not so PC thoughts. And I think some people don't like those characters for that reason, but I love them for that reason. And Rachel is a 19 year old student who really does seduce her teacher. He doesn't come after her. She comes after him. Not that that makes it right, but people I've heard her referred to as bratty and She's totally bratty. And I don't know who isn't bratty at 19. So it's like I think that that a lot of their flaws make them appealing. And if people hate these characters but still enjoy the book, I'm very fine with that. (laughs) (laughs) So it's okay. So the cultures of the locations you use, Connecticut and the Iowa Writers Workshop, are quite dramatic in real life. Right. What else um, helps you create the story? Okay. I mean, the the interesting thing about Connecticut is that I have been a guest at people's beautiful homes in Connecticut, but I'm not from Connecticut. I'm from New Jersey, and in the summers, I go to the Jersey Shore, and I've never... I've been a guest in the beautiful homes in these books, and I've been envious of them, and I really get to go for, like, a weekend of summer. Like, that's it. And so it was very funny when I started writing about these characters they're in a house that I can absolutely imagine and picture because it's real. I've been there and I've been there. They're the little amethyst stones and the perfect soaps in the bathroom and the swimming pool. And the house is actually even nicer in real life because I couldn't get in the barn in the stable. I just, it was too much to write. I just, wow. I just backed off. <laughs> but so, so Zahid is a writer who just wants to write and who as a writer, even though he once got a lot of money for his book, still has no money, which I think is how most writers are. And so, in some ways, he's just me. He just wants to live in this house. And so it's so funny that I'm not male and I'm not... I mean, I create this writing character who's of a different level of success that I'm in. But a lot of his thoughts and insecurities, they're mine. Mm-hmm. And so he wants to live in a house and be taken care of and have these beautifuls made for him. And, and that's how I feel, too. And it, it hasn't come my way yet. But maybe this book is like an open call. Interesting. So. <laughs> You're putting it out there. I'm putting it out there. Yeah. And Iowa's was just such an iconic place. Like, I did not go to that program. But when I think people think of, like, writing programs and where to go, like, that's just the place. And it felt easy and lazy it felt really lazy to put them in Iowa Mm. because it's just the first thing that comes to mind but when I I I used to watch Girls by Lena Dunham and when she goes to graduate school she goes to Iowa and that I love that television show but she often just did to me like Her decisions were like, what's the first thing somebody would do? That's what she had the characters do. And a lot of times when I write, I think, oh, I can't put them in Iowa because that's the first thing. And I'm like, why can't I do it? So I just sometimes just made my first choice, like the most obvious choice. And I just gave myself permission to do that. Yeah, so so Lena Dunham gave me permission to put it in Iowa. It's (laughs) really true. Yeah. So did you have any difficulties writing about these relationships or the love triangles in the book? It was just super fun. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know because, because I did it's not ha- happening to you. No, my goodness. <laughs> and I actually don't know anybody in real life who's had a... a there's this love saga between a mother, a daughter, and a professor, and that's not something I, I... I haven't even had friends experience that. But I do watch a lot of bad television, <laughs> and so... At first, this was so embarrassing, but I wrote an essay for LidHub, Hub, so it's just out there. It's that I've been watching General Hospital for more than 20 years. And there is there's one character, mother and daughter, and they've actually had this happen to them twice, where they've had the same boyfriend. Not once, but twice. Wow. Yeah. So this is really tame in my book. And once once, I didn't plan this book at all, and it wasn't an outline, but once the mother realizes how attractive the writer is, she's like, oh, he's attractive. And the husband has left her. I was like, wow, I could do this. I was just such a crazy idea. Like now that, now that it's written, it just seems inevitable. And like, that's just the premise of before you even read the book, you know, that this is going to happen. But when I was writing I was like, can I do this? Can I really make this happen? And I was just so tripped out and it was really fun. Oh, so that's yeah. great. Mm-hmm. Um So do you have any uh, favorite humorous novels or novelists? Um, There's a book that won the Pulitzer Prize about two or three years ago called Less by Andrew Sean Greer. And it's a lovely, lovely book. And it's actually about a writer who's down on his luck. And so there's this rule that you're not supposed to write about writers, which I do in two of my books now. And so he broke that rule. He wrote about a writer and he goes on a trip and it's very funny. And I love that book. I also like what it kind of the, the message when it won a Pulitzer to the world was like, look, you can write a funny book. And you can win a major prize because mainly that doesn't happen. Mainly, Mm -hmm. I think of books that win big prizes as a little life, which is a wonderful book, but it's all about suffering and grief and despair. And I feel like books that are funny, like my novel has been marketed as a beach read. And I think that's fine. I just want to sell my book and have people read it. But I feel like once your book is marketed as a beach read, people don't take it as seriously. So I kind of loved what Les did. It kind of opened, opened the door a little bit for people that write in a more humorous way. And that's okay. a and it's a great novel. I really enjoyed it, and it did make me laugh out loud, okay. so yeah, so what was the what's been the most interesting question or comment that you've gotten from readers about the book? <laughs> well, there are some people that um i mean I read Goodreads occasionally, which you're not supposed to do it's oh. like it's like readers who review your book, and it's <laughs> such an up and down experience. it's so fun to just have people love your book, and it's so wild to have people just hate it mm. and so and it's all there and one thing I've noticed is people are very some people love the ending of this novel and I won't give it away. And some people just hate it. And the ending is open ended. So I actually I actually went to a book group and it was very fun because they said, hey, so tell me what happens. And I actually know I kind of know what happens when this book ends. And I'm not going to tell this podcast how it does, because it, you actually have, don't know how it ends until the last line of the novel. So big so I can't give it away. No. But I kind of know and I actually did at one point write an epilogue where I wrap everything up a little tidily and we deleted it. I was so happy I wanted to delete it and my editor's like, We don't need this and it was thrilling. But there are some readers that aren't fond of an open ending mm. and I I kinda of make people work a tiny little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well what do you hope people will feel at the end? um relief <laughs> <laughs> interesting yeah i build up to a big climax that's what i hope and so mm-hmm. i think yeah. i think i hope they're really happy that things turn out the way that they do and and then i think that yeah maybe relief that's a funny thing okay <laughs> okay so are you writing a, a new project right now i don't know but i'm writing okay okay
0: that's <laughs> which
5: great. is totally awesome and that's how I, that's how i start i don't know Committing to a new novel is the hardest thing for me because once you write a novel, and I'm, when I do write my books, I tend to write quickly. I write quickly, and then I, it's not usually like a five-year process or a ten-year process. But even for me, a year is a long time to be committed to a piece of work. So I don't know. After mm-hmm. I write twenty pages, I'm like, do I want to keep going or not? I and so. I, I tend to take a lot of time in between projects to figure out what I'm interested in, mm-hmm. but I'm typing things now, which is great. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So, um, what are you, what are you reading now? Like either a book or like a, I don't know, magazines or Yeah, a nice I'm always, I'm always reading books. I'm reading a novel right now, which is kind of like, oh my God, it's called Bunny. And it's almost like a, like Heather's meets Jennifer Bodies, and it's set at a writing program and, and that came out that came out early in the summer and i was really interested in it because it's about writers and so there's a lot of stuff about writing programs that are just awful that i absolutely recognize so i'm enjoying that um i have to return to the library because i didn't return on time i'm reading tony morrison's the last book that was published of her essays and her speeches Mm. and i'm I'm, I'm gonna i think i'm gonna actually have to buy that book because it's too dense to just read in in a two to three week period and i'm just always reading i like to know what's coming out and then there's always great stuff that you haven't read so yeah yeah Yeah. um do you listen to podcasts at all i don't and i think that they're great and i just never really get turned on to them as much but maybe i should because then you could just like listen to them when you clean up and stuff like that yeah Yeah. i don't i don't drive long distances so yeah but i should i would love to find out about good ones but i don't have any to recommend i don't think cheryl straight still does a podcast does she um, I'm not sure. Yeah. I used yeah. to listen to her podcast they, though. They were great, but I didn't listen to them until after they became written, so Right. Dear right, Sugar, right. which yes. I think is terrific. Yeah. 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 No, that yeah. that was really good. Mm-hmm. So, so you said that you use the library a lot. I do. I absolutely do. That's great. It's a funny thing. I live a block away from the bookstore, so I tend to buy my daughter all of her books because she wants to own them and they're precious to her, and she's very expensive. So <laughs> I, I, I buy my daughter all of her books, and then I take most of my books out of the library. I do totally support contemporary fiction, but I, I also have a friend who's a book critic, so I'm kind of lucky, and I like get lots of books. Oh, like, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes I blur books, but I take I take almost all of my reading material out of the library. Do you like? Like by the, Nina's. Do you like yeah. paper books or e-books? Paper books. Uh, I just, I haven't, I haven't even tried to, well, I've read a few e-books and I've had that experience where I, when you're turning a book, you don't know, it's, it, you, you know you're on the last page because you're holding the book in your hand. And I've got into ebooks where it's like the end and you don't know it unless you're kind of reading the bar on the top. And I feel like I've ruined some reading experience of books that way because I, I didn't know that I was on the last page. And so I think, I mean, the reason why I have read them is I think I once bought the Goldfinch because it was 700 pages. And it's hard to carry a 700 page book on a trip. I get it, but I like the cover and I like the pages. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm not going there. Ever, I don't think. Okay. <laughs> All right, that's fine. Right. I don't like ebooks either. Okay. So just to wrap up, to, yeah. um, tell us something surprising about you or that's true that almost no one agrees with you on. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I know. That's like a boom. <laughs> I really hate loud noises. Like, I hate loud noises so much. And I think... I think we're all getting immune to them. Do you know, mm-hmm. I think like cars going backwards go beep 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 and it's just fine. I was in somebody's Prius and when she reversed, the beep 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 came from her little car and I was just sitting there like, when is it going to stop? And that's just what life is. And there's construction everywhere. And oh my goodness, I just feel worried about myself, but I feel like everybody else is doing okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I answered that question properly. No, it's, it's fine. <laughs> Thank you so much, Marcy. Thanks so much for coming in. You never know what I'm going to (laughs) say. That's okay.
0: Thanks for joining us for this episode of Check Us Out, the Montclair Public Library podcast. To find out more information about library services and programs, visit us online at montclairlibrary.org. We're glad you listened and hope to see you here at the library sometime soon. Have a great day.